You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson over there joining me. Uh, it's Tuesday afternoon. Tony White is still a Nebraska assistant coach. Uh, we met Glenn Thomas, Nebraska's new co-offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, uh, for the first time on Monday. More importantly, Brian, how many more of these Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl wins am I going to have to endure before it just ends? Yeah, I would felt I felt for you um, Sunday and all the Broncos fans because that'd be like if uh, the Packers won three out of five or and two in a row. I would just like want I like go into a dark room, which I am in kind of a dark room if you can't tell. It's not the most uh, clean, well lit place, as Hemingway would say. Um, but yeah, I would just go into a dark room and sit in the corner if I were you and um, ponder how Sean Payton's going to fix this. Well, and it's it's uh, we talk about the game briefly, and I, I I was kind of watching the Super Bowl with this lens of like I, I think Matt Rule kind of piqued a lot of people's interest whenever he made the comment about wanting to be the 49ers offense or, or something similar to that. Like that's the direction they would like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was watching that a little bit, but, um, it, it's, it's painful as the fan of a division rival to just watch and just know that for the next decade, this, this is what you're going to be facing. Like it's, is this what it was like when Brett Favre was clicking and, and running around in his Wranglers? <clears throat> he only got to the top once though. Um, I know. so it wasn't as bad as you got it. Um, I think, though, you're not alone. This is a compliment because I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans around here. And I always yeah. respect I respect that, like, everybody's – that's kind of a cool part about living in Nebraska is there's, like, so many – such diversity with, like, who the teams 
who people root for if you go to a sports bar. The compliment I would give to Chiefs fans, the, the, like they need it from me, is that your team is, we're all tired of you. We're like completely tired of you. Like not just Broncos fans, but like it's, I, it's like someone's got to stand up and beat these guys. But that I'd wear that like a badge of honor if I were a fan of them. Because it's like, yes, that's what you want to achieve. You want everybody to just be sick of you, to want to take you down, to start to pick at like little things that you you don't do well. And even though it doesn't mean anything, Mahomes is just like so like sometimes it, they can look like they're a little out of sorts. He doesn't have great receivers this year to throw to. And you're thinking, ah, oh, their offense is kind of just some once in a while, they'll look like pedestrian for like a quarter or so where it's like not much is happening, but you just know when it comes down to it, he's going to, he's going to do his thing. And really the chief's defense, right. Was like sort of the, the superstar, I think of their team throughout the playoffs. I mean, Mahomes is going to be Mahomes, but they gave, they would set it up like, here you go. Now do your thing. Um, so I, I thought that side of the ball is, um, you know, what deserves as much credit as anything. Yeah, no, that that's, that's very astute. And I, I, I say it out of frustration and slight admiration of, of what Kansas City's put together. Yeah. And they're, they're like a more likable version of like Brady's Patriots. If, if, is that, is that fair to say? Like, I, I, I can, I'm okay with Andy Reid. Like, I don't, I have no, I have no oh, problems with Andy Reid. He seems like, I like a Andy fun Reed. guy to hang out with. Yeah, I like Andy Reid. Um, you know, it, like 10 years ago, people forget this. He used to get ripped. I remember making fun of him once, like, cause his clock management and stuff was really off. Like, he often, he had the Super Bowl with the Eagles where they, I felt like didn't use the clock very well and all that stuff. But, um, they were the side that knew the overtime rules and the other didn't apparently uh, going into this game. And, and um, that he's a, he's a likable coach and um, sort of a great ambassador for the game. I know Matt rules, a big fan of him um, from his time in Philadelphia. And I can understand why it's, it's hard to dislike him. I, do, I don't dislike um, Mahomes or anything. I just, I just want someone else to win. I just want someone else to win. I don't want to see chiefs balloons in my high V as much uh, in years going forward, but, uh, it's not, it's not going to happen with the way things are going. They're, they're going to win another one or two in the next few years. Um, I have a feeling. It was quite the turnaround from that lions lions, uh, watch party that we walked into accidentally, um, for, for the, for the chiefs lions season opener in, in uh, in Pueblo, if you recall, like yeah. there, there seemed to be a few nervous chiefs fans, um, that, that day as, as the lions, and uh, Jared Goff went in and won that game. But um, congratulations to Kansas City fans. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, that, that's about as, as effusive as I can get with my You're person. being You are being, like, really professional right now. Because I know, like, if we were off the air, none of this. That, <laughs> and I w- I'm probably being a little more so than I would be as well. But uh, we should just leave it there then while we're on yeah. a high note before we make any enemies. Yeah, we don't need to also read my text messages during that game either. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, should I read those out loud? What, what? <laughs> please don't. Please don't. No, no screen caps. We don't need screen caps. Um, switching to Nebraska um, because that's why we're here. There was a – you had some nervous yeah, feelings so. um, in, in regards to the Super Bowl. Also some, some nervous feelings in Lincoln as well as uh, the, the, the coaching carousel – spun yet again um this time 
Chip Kelly was the one that uh, gave it a little push and sent it on its way. And uh, UCLA entertaining Tony White uh, as a potential head coach, at least. There were some nervous times uh, here in Lincoln, but Deshaun Foster is the guy there. Tony White is still here. Nebraska's kind of threaded the needle pretty well this offseason. And, and by the way, you can kind of bookend, I feel like, the offseason with like USC interest in Tony White and UCLA interest in Tony White. And it feels like about two years have passed between those two bookends. Yeah. Um, it seems like if if you had told me in December, were, were there 30 job openings, I think you texted me the other day, in college football this year? Yeah. Head coaching? Yep. And and the fact that one of them was UCLA, one of them was San Diego State. Um, if you had told me in December that's both of those are going to pop open, I would have probably bet like Tony's not still here. Um, I I just I and I say that in admiration for Tony. I like think he's got all the traits to be a really good head coach beyond just like what his defense did this last season. Like when he gets up in front of us. He's so just like polished and like, you know, like he he's affable, but yet he's got um, a no nonsense way that, you know, like registers when it's go time over there too. like um, he and he's a great recruiter, great on the West Coast. Obviously, he's got background at both those schools. Um, I, as you know, we and those are texts we probably could read. We are talking throughout the weekend. I I thought it was a legitimate threat, the UCLA thing. I really did um, because I thought they were probably going to need to go a route where maybe they didn't get a sitting head coach. Maybe they took a quote-unquote chance on somebody who's an up-and-comer. Um, and Tony has all the right the right pieces to make that work. And I'll be honest, I think they, they might have messed up. But we'll see. Um, I think Nebraska fans um, – want Tony White to get a head coaching job. They just want it to probably be next, like next year. And they're really happy. They get one more year to build this up. And I'm sure Matt rule had a plan ready. If uh, he had to, you know, it's not like this was shocked him. Like that, the Tony White's getting interest again, or like, so I'm sure he would have been ready to move and, and act and, and move his staff accordingly. But they were so like had so much momentum brunts on that side of the ball last year. You just want to see it like take off one more season um, with Ty and some Ty Robinson and Nash and some of these guys, Isaac Gifford. Well, they still have them here. And I I, uh, I think that's the exciting part. Um, and Tony's going to be a great head coach at some point, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, it, I, I think, you know, Nebraska fans want to think that somebody's going to be around for years. But, you know, I, I think it's a good <clears throat> It's a good problem to have, I think, if your your coaching staff is being pursued by other other staffs in other schools. Like yeah. the the problem, maybe not problem, but I mean, I, I think ideally you would like to have that happening after, say, like a nine and three, ten and two season versus a five and seven year, where you felt like you were finally building things a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I agree that I I think it's probably going to happen for Tony White sooner than later. Uh, much sooner than later. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, when you had so many of those guys coming back for a sixth year, so much momentum, you were, you were finally, you had continuity there. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think another year of that I, I, is really attractive to everybody over there. I mean, I, I think they they feel the potential that's there and you're, you're kind of, you've done the 100 level class now in that first year, you're kind of up into the electives a little bit where you can add more to that defense. You have a lot of pieces in place. So I, I mean, that that's a, you know, still an arrow up group and, you know, if, if they can start getting turnovers, I mean, the, the, the sky's really the limit for that group. This staff, I mean, Nebraska came out of this, um, and we'll get to the Glenn Thomas thing, but they all kind of connect here um, with Tony White s- still here. And then Rule lining it up with his offensive staff, like exactly like he probably wanted it the first time with Satterfield as the OC and coaching tight ends. And then you get Glenn Thomas, who they're very familiar with and has a very good resume with QBs. Um, this has worked out as well as any off season I can remember, like in recent time, sort of staff wise, assistant staff wise for Nebraska. Um, at this point, knock on wood, I guess anything in this day and age can happen and changes still can be afoot, but um, it feels like it, it's a little bit more set now on, on concrete. And um, yeah, if, if you go back again, a couple months ago, I would have not, banked on just everything going as seamlessly as they sort of have for Nebraska as far as keeping things intact and okay we want to move this one piece on offense and it goes exactly like everybody kind of thought it would you know it it, it it's just been very um non-dramatic and uh it felt like uh that that's a rarity nowadays in college football with all the movement that happens yeah I mean everybody jokes about Nebraska kind of being the offseason national champions every year but this year in particular has felt a little less roller coastery. I mean, you had obviously the the way the recruiting class kind of came together in December was a pretty big high um, with, with Dylan Riola. But beyond that, I mean, I, I think it's been a pretty been a pretty quiet, steady off season. Like you know, mm-hmm. I I don't think there's been too much that's been a surprise over there, really. Um, you know, the, the Glenn Thomas piece of it is, is interesting to me because, you know, this is another piece where, you know, Nebraska had had the opening that they were going to fill um, and, and kind of move things around a little bit in terms of who's handling what and, and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, from what Matt Rule said, from what Glenn Thomas said yesterday, um, you know, the, the opportunity was extended, it was accepted, and they were just basically waiting for, for Pittsburgh to, to get eliminated in the NFL playoffs. So we met him yesterday. He's talked twice, I believe, publicly. What, what did you kind of make of yesterday's session? I mean, I, I thought there were a few interesting things he said. It's, he sounded like somebody that is still very much like learning who's there. Like he didn't really mm-hmm. have a ton to say about the current quarterbacks, was still getting to kind of know them and what they do well. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing to me was more about kind of process and how you put an offense together and how these guys have worked together in the past. Because I think that that piece of it is much more interesting to me with what he can bring to that offensive offensive coach's room. Yeah, ideally they don't. Once they get to spring ball in the next month or so, it's not like a deal where it's like, oh, this guy goes over here, I over there. You're figuring out how it works because you've already done it together. And that the year to really cite probably is, I guess would be 2015, which is a ways back, but when they were at temple and 
you know, him and Satterfield, he mentioned this in a radio interview a couple of weeks ago, but it kind of got emphasized again. They've known each other for 20 plus years. So this isn't a deal where it's like, I think like a threatening situation to Marcus or anything. But Satterfield was like the guy who like helped, you know, bring him to temple. Like uh, he didn't know um, Glenn Thomas didn't know rule before that. And so that relationship seems pretty tight. They seem to like have some of the same ideas about how to do stuff on offense. And the way he framed it is the way rule operates and also the way Satterfield operates is everybody's got a voice you know and like how this is going to be put together and so you know last week rule told us the co stands for collaborator um he was sort of glenn thomas was sort of saying everybody's a little bit of a collaborator in their own way you know with this offense like we want to put all the good ideas on the table and, and then you sort it out and nobody's got a big ego about it um so i believed it um because they've done it before it's a journey they've taken together and, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it's like a no brainer hire to me. Like we can overanalyze stuff sometimes, you know, how Brunt sometimes guys like coaches, you'll look at their bio and they'll have like six or seven players that are kind of attached to them. Like, Oh, this guy got to the NFL and, and some of them are legit. And then sometimes, and I'm not speaking just on Nebraska coaches, I'm speaking like all across the country. Like once right. in a while, you'll see a bio where you're like, yeah, you're kind of taking credit for a guy who was a little bit like self-made, right? Uh, or like he was already on his road and you had him for one year. I I was thinking about Glenn Thomas bio and like PJ Walker and Brewer and the, the kid from UNLV mentioned who was like a freshman of the year in that league. Um, all of them are legitimate. Like he was there like sort of on the ground floor of it in as they were building. And I, I so I think he, he's got like a legit bio is what I'm getting at. I really think he has like players. He has really helped improve at that position at a time in their careers when they were really trying to figure stuff out. So he's kind of done this dance before with freshmen um, and having three QBs and not knowing exactly who's where yet, uh, we kind of think we do on the outside, but he's not probably looking at it that way. So I, I like all the things about it. And I would, it's, if that sounds like uh Homer, Homerific stuff, so be it. I just kind of feel good about that hire. Yeah. The, 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 the point you just made about, you know, in his past, he, they've played multiple quarterbacks in a year they've eventually landed on a younger guy kind of being the guy um, and, and developing them. I mean, that that's significant to me given kind of where Nebraska's current quarterback situation stands. I mean, I, I, I think there's still a lot of development to be done with Heinrich Harburg, but I, I mean, I think if you're handicapping it right now, I think a lot of people would say that you're probably going to be trotting a true freshman out there to start in the fall. So, you know, I, I think there's a way that you have to you, you coach a little bit differently, I think, with the in-game stuff with a younger player than you do with an older player. Like you and he mentioned, like you kind of eliminate the gray area mm -hmm. and, you know, coaching a brewer versus Matt Ryan, which he's done, um, you know, th those are different conversations and different approaches that you have to take. And I, I think that's going to be valuable 
um, at Nebraska. And, you know, the, the other thing that he said that, you know, I'm sure was probably music to Matt Rule's ears was playing complimentary football um, and, and that kind of being king and everything. Nebraska didn't do that very well last year. I think that was the goal to do that. But, I mean, they, they really didn't offensively um, for any large stretch. So if they can get closer to that, um, I mean, they, they'd be in a pretty good spot go, in, in 2024. I mean, I I don't think they need to be a top 10 offense to have success next year. I mean, if you can just get to the middle of the pack, that would be a pretty big lift. Um, but I, I think you could also do something with that when you have a defense that's going to be as good as I think a lot of people think they're going to be. If you had the same defensive metrics as you had last year and you got your offense into like the seventies, like, you know, nationally, and you got turnover margin into like, let's say top 50. We're not even talking like top 10, like top 50 or maybe just a little bit plus, which is a big, that's a big ask right now from what we've seen around here. Like, I don't even know if that's possible. Like, honestly, like 2016 was the last time, right? Yeah, I guess so. My, I mean, my, my, I can't even like fathom watching that, like what that would be. So, but yeah, like those two things, like flipping it easier said than done, but you know, yeah, an offense that's ranked 75th next year and a turnover margin that's ranked 47th and the same defensive metrics. And you're probably a nine win team. And I, I, I don't have, is that too high? No, that, I mean, that, if you had if, even that turnover margin last year, you're probably a nine win team yeah. just based on how things work. Eight or nine, an eight or nine win team. I'll say that to like couch it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Give, give yourself some wiggle room. It's you're fun. an 11 win team and you're, <laughs> and we're talking about. <laughs> you're squaring off against Michigan yeah. in the national championship. Yeah. Like, I mean, team it, playoff. Yeah. I mean, that's the. <laughs> It feels like a big lift, but it probably should not be. No. And that's the way that's the way to look that. at it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not we're we're not asking them to take a freshman or they're not asking either a freshman quarterback to like lift them into the top 10 of offensive ratings right now. So that's the I mean, that's the beauty of it for like uh Ryle if he's the guy um is I, I wrote about it a week or two ago. It's that intermediate passing game. I want to see where you feel like once in a while it's going to happen as opposed to like you're kind of, you know how that was. Like when it was third and eight last season, and you're like, oh boy, what, like, is this going to still be Nebraska's ball at the end of the snap? You know, that sort of thing. Um, you were wondering that as much as the idea of like a completion for 13 yards. And so, I just want to see like where you kind of believe that that's going forward. And I think if, if, if that's happening, um, that'll be a big part of it too. But yeah, I, I liked uh, Glenn Thomas. You can tell he's kind of a seasoned pro up there too. You know, he's been around and um, that the Texas accent kind of makes you feel a little more secure for some reason with the football coach. Like you kind of want him to drop a now, like he's a fast, fast guy now like, you know, at the end of a few sentences. So maybe he'll give us a few more of those. But, uh, yeah, I, I felt kind of comforted. It was like a, a bowl of soup on a 27-degree day listening to him. Yeah, he didn't he didn't refer to anybody as a ball player, which I, I was a little disappointed by. But I, I would have felt okay about that, too. 
Like, yeah. yeah, I think that would have been good. But well, um, go on. No, I was I, anything else with Thomas. I was going to transition for a quick break, and then uh, we can break out the Husker sports grab bag. Yeah, sports grab bag. It's an interesting time in sports around here. Like we have not been. It's not been boring, and so we got. And baseball is going to give us something, right? We're going to get to that in the next segment. They're going to give us something this year. They're going to guarantee it. They're going to play. They're going to play, right. play baseball. All right. All right. We'll be back in a second. All right. Uh, so we'll have a, a, a Husker hoops cast. Is that what you guys are calling it? Hoops cast? Yeah, everybody's talking about it. I'm surprised like the name escaped you. I've been I've been going back through old uh, episodes, getting caught up on the format, how you guys do things, taking notes, <laughs> fastidious notes. Um, One thing so, we, we can probably leave out is uh, the thing where you humiliate me by asking me um, about a player. Um, to name a player and I can never like come up with the name from the, like the last, uh, 10 years. So. Okay. I, I actually have one, um, ready. Okay. For, for when that happens. You can, you can, you get to do it one time and then we'll stop. I've seen him. I've seen him around Lincoln. So he's, he's local, but I, I, I filed, I was like, I'm going to file that one away and ask Brian about him, see if he can remember him. So we'll get to that, uh, later in the week. They're on a, this is like a bye week yeah there's no no basketball i was getting used to a new nebraska basketball game every 36 hours what yeah yeah that, that's that's different um it's it's good and bad um i i kind of thought about this it'd be almost okay i think if they had had what like one more on a wednesday at home where because they played so well saturday and they seem a rhythm i i know they were tired they felt like they were kind of running low on the in the gas tank at Northwestern but then they came back and played kind of inspired at home and I was thinking it'd be nice almost if that buy fell before like a road game or something but that maybe that's overdoing it the bottom line is they've played a lot more games than other teams in this league not a lot but two more um, which seems a lot to Fred Hoiberg when it adds up your two to three day prep games um, so they got to make full use of this. They got to, they got to have a week where they, they get fresh, but at the same time, like in the middle of this week, you're, you're, you feel like you're, you're pushing yourself a bit too. You know, like, I think you can't, you got to really walk a fine line here with how you handle it. So Penn state's coming in Saturday and they are dangerous right now. They had one, three in a row prior to this weekend. Two of those were on the road by 14 and 15 points, respectively. Ace Baldwin is a very tough matchup for people. And um, I know there's sort of this thought like, okay, you got Penn State, Minnesota, Rutgers at home. You can win. The, you j it's just not simply done just like, okay, that's what happened. So they got to go out there and they got to have that defensive tenacity and like relentless way that they had from the start against Michigan. And I knew on the first possession that they were going to roll. I did like the way they played defense. They committed a foul with one on the shot clock. It was a kind of a cheap call. I thought, um, but they were just like, they were all over the place. You could tell M Michigan was scattered and it kind of translated the next few minutes. It's like, they're, they're going to blow these guys out. And sure enough, they did. Do you think they do you think this team ever shakes that like the I mean, like you, you can generally tell, I think, within 
the first five minutes of a game, kind of where they're at mentally. Like, is, is that just who they are? Or, or, I mean, are we far enough into the season that, like, you, you just have to live with that if you're Fred Hoiberg? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, they've got it within them to be that kind of team on the road. I really do think that. Um, the problem is they've sort of, they've struggled when they can't feed off the crowd for like those, like a six to eight minute segment that just kind of does them in, you know, like it, Minnesota, you could go way back to then, you know, in December, like there, there was a part like where they're up like 15 and then suddenly it was down to two in like five minutes and it just felt like inevitable what was going to happen then. So the response to like not having that energy of the crowd to feed off of was poor. But then against Illinois, you saw what could be, I think, in a game that, you know, if a, if there's not the foul late, they win. And we're probably not having these roundabout discussions about all this. Um, so that that type of game is is in the in their ability. And that's what Josiah Alec um was talking about after the game Saturday is like, we know the bars up here. Like we've done it. We've proven to ourselves what we can jump over. We got to stop being the, you know, the team that falls like eight inches short of that bar. Then suddenly one day and where you, you got to have your backs against the wall before you punch back. And so, you know, we'll see what, what happens. But um, if you had told anybody before this season, okay, you're going to be 17 and eight. You're seven and seven in the league. Here's the schedule in front of you. If you look at the hundred brackets that are out there, you're on like 92 of them. Yes. You're in that like 10 to 11 seed range, but you're on them and you got a fighting shot here. People got to remember what they were wondering, like when this season started and like, they didn't know anything about rink mast or Bryce Williams or, you know, they just a few stories they'd read and they'd take that in a second. Like, everybody around here would take that. So they're right there and that you kind of got to look at it that way. Sometimes like they're the opportunities right before their face that I would not. And many would not have necessarily predicted would be there a few months ago. So, you know, it's, it's fun. Like it's fun. Don't you think, I mean, you're doing the bracket stuff, watching it. It's, it's nice to have that conversation piece around here. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that, you know, you've got baseball season starting this week and you know i think for a lot of years it was you got to the middle of january and you were already kind of looking ahead on the calendar of like okay when when does spring football practice start and i know i know that people are still doing that but i mean it's it's happened so infrequently around here that having meaningful basketball in the middle of february it it's it's new and it's exciting and like you know i i there is there are not not many better places to watch basketball when it matters than Pinnacle Bank Arena. Like I, it's it's just a, a different a different place, and it's kind of fun that that's that's happening. And it, and you know, even stupid stuff like you're looking at like West Coast Conference games to see who you have to root for that night for bubble mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's it's in the weeds, but it, it's kind of fun to be there, and it's a good problem to have. The biggest thing you could take this to a lot of Husker sports, save for volleyball. The biggest thing that Nebraska fans have been cheated out of the last five plus years, when you count football struggles and um, you know basketball sort of routinely being bad, 
is caring about what you're talking about, all those other games. Like I, I talk to people all the time with college football who they do not pay attention or haven't as much to the other games that are happening on Saturday because one, they're either just dejected because Nebraska lost, you know, it's like, I don't really like, it's how you feel if the Broncos lose. Maybe I was like, I'm going to stay away from football for a bit. Um, and the second part is like, it doesn't impact them. Like, it's not like Nebraska can move up the rankings or the, and so with the basketball stuff, that's what's happening now at the bracket. You're right. Where like, we've got it on our board where they're following, like, these are the three games you got to watch tonight and all that stuff. And that's awesome when you like, like get back into, um, like everything else mattering and like, Oh, who's playing in the big 10 tonight? How does that affect the standings? And like, okay, are they on a roll? Are they slipping that sort of stuff? So, um, it, it, it means so much more than just like, I'm interested in Nebraska basketball to some people. It's like, oh, I'm interested in college basketball now. Um, whereas I was tuning it out because it didn't matter to what was happening. Um, yeah. so that that's the cool part. And, we have not been cheated. We have to bring it up on unbelievable moments this year already. I mean, with the women, oh yeah, uh, with, with Amy Williams' crew like beating Iowa on the day that was supposed to be the put the crown on Caitlin Day, um, which she'll get it Thursday. And congrats to her. But I mean, that was just an unbelievable thing to rally from fourteen down to spoil that party, win a game that probably puts them now like more into the field than they were going into it. Um, and then we've seen Nebraska beat number one, Purdue and beat number six, Wisconsin, when they were playing. All right. So it's been, we, we have not, uh, lacked for uh, fun moments as far as the last month or two with basketball. I got to say that. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall this many court stormings in such a short amount of time ever, which is kind of fun. Like it's, yeah. it's almost a little routine now. Like everybody knows you, you stay away from the opposing players Everyone <laughs> just go to, go to the middle, like Matt don't. Don't uh don't get too close to Matt Painter or yeah. Caitlin Clark and yeah it, that that was that was cool and and it was uh <laughs> it was funny just to watch like the conversation change during that game because you know you've got the little ticker in the top where like you're you're counting down how many points Caitlin Clark has to get and you're kind of like okay well she she might get it um and then she went over six in the fourth quarter. And then you're like, oh crap! If they go to overtime, I mean, she might might get yeah. it there too. And then I I was just kind of curious as just a thought exercise, like how Nebraska would have treated that if she would have gotten it on their home court. Like you, you just you <laughs> stop the game, you throw the ball. Like do you do nothing? Like what what? How do you? They would have done. I I was told they would have done some mm -hmm. little acknowledgement, um, depending on when the timeouts were called and that kind of thing. But um, I, I wouldn't have I would not have hated like a heel turn where somebody just like grabbed the game <laughs> ball and chucked it in the crowd or something like that. <laughs> Your thoughts an interesting one, because, yeah, it's easy to talk about beforehand if she had got the record like in a I was up 12, right. you know, yeah. and the, like this is going a certain way. But yeah, if she had hit a three or something to go to OT and then <laughs> it's like a one point game with like a minute and a half left and she got it in yeah. overtime. Are you going to stop like the momentum of an OT game and like have this this deal? I mean, you probably have to because like the country is kind of tuned in, I think, you know, to see that to see it happen. Uh, but that would have been that would have been a pickle. 
that would that was a big defensive stand for Nebraska yeah. athletics there on the last possession. I'll say that. Well, one more thing. So they had the, the broadcast was on Fox National. Yeah. I have you ever <clears throat> recalled a college athlete doing the halftime interview and not the head coach? <clears throat> I had, I flipped over to the Phoenix Open at that point, so I didn't see it. <laughs> but You're- uh so I missed that, but no, I don't, I don't think I've seen that before. I, I was watching it. I was like that, that I don't remember ever seeing that. Like they, they interviewed her running off to the locker room and you know, she did fine, whatever. Um, but yeah. I, I just thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, I don't have a big take. I, I, I think, I think it's cool. Like that she, she draws the, the eyeballs that she has to, to women's hoops. So I don't have a big, thing to say i'm i i feel good for nebraska that they didn't let it happen on their watch yeah and that they um that kind of showed the beauty of athletics right where like it's some there's this storyline that's supposed to unfold but no we're going to take it a different direction that's like why sports is is great so you know yeah. when you get things like that speaking of sports yeah nebraska baseball opens this weekend um with with a trio of games in Arlington, Texas. They've got uh, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma on the docket. And we'll see what the 2024 season holds for Will Bolt's team. Um, Very briefly, I guess. um, A lot of new faces. Uh, Max Anderson's gone. Bryce Matthews is gone. Uh, Nebraska's lost their Friday and Saturday starters from last year, uh, Emmett Olson and Jace Kaminska to the MLB draft. All four of those guys were drafted last year. And you're going to see some new faces, a different offensive approach, I think, a little bit more uh, a little bit more pressure on the base paths um, than, than maybe what we've seen in the last couple of years. And on the mound, it's going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of guys who um, – were brought in from the junior college ranks. Uh, a few guys that have been on the roster for a couple of years who are finally getting their turn uh, to give it a shot here. But I, I think, I think this weekend is going to be more than a lot of the years that I've covered uh, this team, and I've covered it for a while. A little bit of a kind of figuring out where the pieces fall because they're deeper than what they've been, I think. But maybe not having the kind of top flight guys right out of the gates. So are the, would you say to those who are just figuring out who are, they're going to be figuring out this weekend, who's who, which is how it, it will be. Would you say starter roles are like pretty defined about who they want them to be? Or is this going to be a deal where it takes like somewhat into the season where you, you fluctuate some pieces, move certain guys to the bullpen. I mean that, I know that always can happen a little bit, but is, are there pretty defined roles or is it less defined than it's been in the past? I guess they've got, they've got like boxes of guys. So Mm -hmm. like you've got guys that are definitely starters guys over here who are, you know, kind of like midweek type options, long relief guys, you've got your middle relievers and like your back of the bullpen guys. I I feel like the group that's like, okay, here are our starters. I mean, Nebraska hasn't announced their starters yet for the, this weekend, but you've got Drew Christo uh, who's, who's, you know, finally started to put it together a little bit. We'll kind of see what that looks like. Uh, Brett Sears, who um, I, I think is more, 
uh, set for a starter role this year. Um, he was kind of a bullpen option at times last year, but he had a great summer in the Northwoods League. Will Walsh is back. He's also kind of in that uh, that that pool of guys, Jackson Brockett. So some familiar names there. Um, you know, the the middle relief and the the back of the bullpen guys are going to be the real keys for this team. They've got more options. Um, they 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 supplemented out of the transfer portal a few junior college guys. Um, you know, Rand Sanders, who was a, a transfer from Omaha. Uh, Kyle Freilich, um, who was at Northwestern State as a closer. He's going to be more of a middle relief guy. Uh, Casey Dice, uh, who is a Juco guy, he's potential closer. Kyle Perry's back for uh, his like ninth year, I think. But he's going to be an option uh, out of the back of the bullpen, too. So um, I, I think there's always going to be, for, for teams in the north, kind of this figuring out who can do what. And yeah. I think for this team especially – there's a strong chance that guys that going into this weekend are that are considered like starters four through six or four through seven could potentially end up, you know, in, in the weekend rotation if they, they show that they can handle it. I really feel like from a distance depth needs to pop for this team because I thought last year, you know, they would get scraped up in these midweek games. And I know sometimes it's like, okay, that doesn't count in the league standings, whatever, but it can damage you a little bit in, in the metrics. But also I think it damages momentum somewhat, you know, and like the morale around the state a little bit, like when you lose to Creighton or Omaha or somebody and like people who don't follow it on the daily are like, oh, they lost to the Mavericks, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And so they, I really feel like they got to find that like, two to three reliable arms or something like in the midweek that are young or whatever they are that uh, kind of take you through those with a pretty solid record there. Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, they, they, they got beat a lot. They've been beaten a lot by Omaha the last couple of years. And a lot of that is they just have not had the depth of arms to trust somebody to start on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night and, yeah. and, you know, against South Dakota state or North Dakota state, or, I mean, they, they struggled with the Summit League last year. That That's just yeah. where they're at. Um, you know, I, I think the depth will help. I think the lineup, um, I think last year it was a team that was very comfortable with playing from ahead. I mean, if, if they jumped on you in the first couple innings and they had the ability to do that, uh, they were just going to, you know, basically ride out the match. And when they fell behind early, you could almost kind of, you know, pack the – pack the bats up and head for the bus because they probably weren't going to be uh, coming back. So I think they're going to force the issue more in the base paths. I think two guys to know in, in the lineup, Caden Brumbaugh, who was injured last year, but he was an Oklahoma state transfer. He's going to be a second baseman, probably your leadoff hitter. Uh, and then the number two hitter, Riley Silva, who's out of the junior college ranks, stole 47 bases last year. Um, center fielder, I think those two guys are going to be the table setters and, and kind of nice. be the energy guys. Think kind of like a kind of like what Nebraska did when they had Jackson Hallmark at, at the top of mm -hmm. the lineup a few years ago. So I think that's the hope. And uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But that's just a, a brief overview of kind of where things stand going into the season. And the teams they're playing this weekend sounds like teams are with guys who have a lot of good suntans um from yeah. being in the south so that's intimidating when you see how tan those guys are and you're not because you've been in the winter um 
seems like some tough matchups um, off the bat, as is usual. It is. I mean, they they have scheduled more difficult this year. I mean, this is a big mm-hmm. opportunity for them in the opening weekend to get a couple wins that are, are going to catch some attention. And they have scheduled the Summit Summit League teams in the midweeks less. They've they've added in Wichita State and Kansas Kansas State uh, with the eye that that will potentially help them RPI wise because. You go back to last season, and basically by the time the calendar flipped to April, Nebraska already knew that it was going to have to probably win the Big Ten to get into the NCAA tournament. So they're hoping to avoid that scenario and and make themselves a little bit more attractive RPI-wise than what they've been in the past. But it's an opportunity, but it's also a tough one because you're, you're, you know, rolling right into the start of the season and you have to win some really tough games. My last question is, do you – do you have preseason pre- prognostication? Do you have sort of where you think like Nebraska is thought of in the Big Ten right now, or is it tough to gauge? Or like, how would you like guess the league going into it? it it'll be interesting when it because it comes out on Thursday, and the conference coaches always pick a top six, mm-hmm. and very rarely have they gotten anywhere close to what the top six looks like. <laughs> it flips actually, around. Yeah. If you're not on that list, it's like, okay, we've, we've got a shot here. Um, mm-hmm. But I was going to be picked to win the league. I think Indiana's probably going to be in that, in the mix as well. I think Rutgers maybe. Um, I think they've got some guys that can play a little bit. I would, I would say Nebraska is probably in that like three to four range right now. And I think part of that's just, the, there's volatility there because nobody knows what they have. Like there's yeah. so many unknowns about this team that they could be picked fifth and, and easily outplay that. But um, there's just a lot that kind of has to, to play out to, to kind of see what Nebraska has. Interesting. I feel like yeah. we'll, we'll both thinks they've got something on me. I mean, they, like they've, 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 they've kind of done a lot of work behind the scenes while no one's been paying attention. With yeah. Their roster. I think they've got, they feel like they've got guys that line up more with kind of how they want it to look. And mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, Rob Childress obviously being more involved with the pitching staff will be really important because he's uh, he's one of the best. He has been one of the best for a long time. And uh, I, I think guys are really – everybody's throwing a slider now. That, that's what you do if you're coached by Rob Childress. Mm-hmm. You throw a slider. I think even if you interview him, you kind of have to start working on it just to get him – get get, get uh, you like you have a ball in your hand while you're interviewing him, like kind of showing your grip is right and yeah. stuff. Yeah, you got to run that thing up to 86 and throw it hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the, the the key. But that's that's Nebraska baseball. They start Friday morning at 11, so set the coffee early. Nebraska basketball plays at 11 a.m. on Saturday, right? Yes. Yeah. Mimosas and Nittany Lions. Yep. There we go. That big game. Big game at 11 a.m. Yeah. All right, uh, so we'll be back with a uh, hoops cast, Husker hoops, Husker twenty four seven hoops cast later yep. in the week. We'll really dive into things. I'll try to stump you with a player that I'm thinking. You of. will. And uh, for Brian Christofferson, I'm Michael Bruns. Get to Husker twenty four seven. We got lots of coverage. We're, uh, we're we're kind of already turning an eye to spring ball too. They're in a dead period. Mm-hmm. Coaches are, are self scouting, and, and so are we. So. Get to Husker 24-7 for all your sports coverage. We'll be back later this week.